Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. First off, I'd like to give a huge thank you to all of my patrons for supporting the show and making it possible. If you'd like to support the show, want a shout out on my next episode, or want an inside scoop on upcoming guests, consider joining. You can find the link in my link tree or by heading to patreon.com slash hn, the number two, DM. Remember that 10% of my ad and patron money goes to support local LGBTQ plus youth via Encircle. Check out my link tree for more information. One last thing before we get started. If you could check the episode notes, there will be a link to Fireball Forge's landing page. There you can enter your email address I'm creating this landing page so that I can collect emails of everybody who's interested in the Too Hot One-Shot, my very first publication with my friend Matthew. So go ahead and click the link and enter your email address. I'll send you a quick email just saying that I've got it, and then as soon as we are ready to launch our Kickstarter, we'll be notifying you all so that you can help support us. Thank you. And now, on to this episode's guest intro. Matt, aka Dungeon Glitch, has been sailing the TTRPGs for two years now and dips his toes into tons of different content and projects. Most recently, he's releasing an album of lo-fi beats, playing in an actual play podcast, and working on world-building prompts which he's published on DM's Guild. Enjoy! People may know me as Dungeon Glitch now. I've been doing TTRPG. Basically, I did Dungeons and Dragons. That's where I started. <laughs> I'm old, I'm almost 40, and I've been playing since I was 13. When I started playing, it was because a friend had introduced it, but we didn't get the chance to play it. And then I was actually kind of like off and on homeless as an adolescent and a teenager. So someone had found Dungeons and Dragons books. And I knew about the game, I picked it up, Someone tried to show me it, and they were an awful dungeon master. Like, they just killed everyone's characters right off the shot. I'm like, let me do this. And <laughs> I fell in love with it. And that's what we did to stay out of trouble, which is really what you need in those situations. And I think we actually helped a lot of people with it. That was pretty neat. So, yeah, I get to say that I started TTRPG playing in, like, a crack house. And it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely an origin story that not many of my past guests have had. And then from there, it was like I actually started teaching it. I taught at a local college for uh, kids during like a summer camp thing. It was just a job to me, but it was super easy. It was a lot of fun. And then I converted like all the popular kids in high school. They all started playing. And then that made me a popular kid in high school. Then I took a break after college. I worked on chasing other pursuits. I did that at the time, I mean, it was like, I don't know, 2002. There was no online D&D scene or anything like that. Yeah. So I didn't have any ambitions of being like, hey, I could do this professionally or anything. So I actually started getting into like making video games and that sort of thing instead. And then that didn't work out. It's just too much. And then here I am again. I started two years ago and this is as far as I've gotten. It's pretty far, to be fair. We'll talk about all of the different things you've done since you started two years ago. But yeah, it's it's pretty far. You mentioned that you remember first running the games after like a bad experience with a DM who killed you all. And I guess you talked a little bit about teaching people how to play too. Do you remember your very first experience and how it went at all? Do you like have details that you remember? Oh yeah, I remember perfectly. Yeah, my, my first character, 
I had just seen Record of Lodos War, the anime, and it's like this D&D-ish, beautiful fantasy thing. Not really super well-written to go the distance, but the main character is Parn, and I was a kid, so I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm going to name my character Parn. And uh, he's like, oh, let's have fun with it. He's an elf. Okay, cool. And then Parn the elf, go into the arena, fight this ogre. He kills you in one shot. You're dead. Okay. I see what we're doing here. Uh, a very old school mentality but even like worse than old school like not even giving you a chance that's interesting yeah i get seven hit points i think it's like yeah rose d20 does an 18 hit you we start doing the math if they go that's like yeah i'm pretty sure it does i don't have any armor so (laughs) (laughs) what yeah that was the end of it We love to learn from other people on this show. That's how I started it. That's the reason I started it and why it's kept going for so long. So I'd love to learn from some of the stuff that you feel like you've learned the hard way while running games. What are some of the big mistakes you feel like you've made or small mistakes? They can be like habits. They could be specific instances of decisions you've made. What are some examples of stuff you would encourage other people not to do? I'm haunted by a moment, actually. Like when I started out, again, it was a long, long time ago, and uh, Session Zero wasn't the thing. And I know some people are going to be like, oh, no, this could be anything. Like we're still decent people about stuff. And it's just, I didn't understand what levels of description some people could handle. And I'm a writer by trade. So if I want to make something seem gross, I can do it. So I had a couple of friends who were playing a game. And it got into like a weird cult part. As it often does. I was young and inexperienced. So I was like, what would be awful? What could make these characters hate these cultists? And it's like, oh, what if they harm children? And it's like, ooh. And afterwards, we were playing it. And my buddy didn't know how to express how it made him feel. And then like later on, I'd be like, are you all right? He's like, dude, that turned my stomach. I'm like, what are you talking about? I can't do that. It's like, oh, Right. I'm responsible for that. And from there on, I was super careful. And then, like you see, like later on, years later, I hear about, you know, oh, yeah, session zero. Here's your lines and bells. I'm like, oh, perfect. Yeah, this is exactly what people should absolutely have and adhere to and be honest about and respect. Please do that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it's funny how much people change based on experiences they've had. For instance, I became a father two years ago. And before that, I would have been fine with that kind of stuff. And like, I've seen media with that kind of stuff in it. It doesn't bother me. But now that I have a child, it's like a little bit more real and visceral. And like, I put myself in that position more than what I did before. And I know tons of people have experiences like this all the time that kind of change how they feel. So yeah, a great point and a good story, a good reminder to everybody about you know, making sure that you're all on the same page before you get started. I still think about it. So I was like, it wasn't incredibly offensive or anything like that. It right. was just like touching the line. And yeah, as a kid, I didn't know any better. But also, I feel like I should have. So that's the kind of thing I kind of carry with me. I'm always like checking with players now. That's smart. Any other examples come to mind? If you run an epic level game, making NPCs to fight will take you maybe two to three hours and then your players will annihilate them in about 30 seconds (laughs) that's true so you have to figure out your cost analysis 
of what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. All of this little homebrew and multi-classing to give them specific abilities. And like you said, it's a few rounds maybe before they're done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good advice. Never underestimate creative people as players because I've had players just destroy my plan. I love it. I absolutely love it. I right. encourage it. If a player, if a player has a cool idea, I'm more often going to go with it. But oh boy, if you have plans, be careful. <laughs> yeah, awesome. it is. It is. That's good advice. Maybe it's better to just buy stuff that has people, you know, high level characters built or high level monsters built for you instead of laboring so much for something with so little payoff. Not a bad idea. <laughs> Still makes the memories, but oh boy, high level rogues, man, they get it done. <laughs> what about favorite memories from games that you've run before improv combat something that was really meaningful something really emotional anything like that in games that you've run that comes to mind you want to share i play with kata who is my business partner for jump firefly and her characters don't care that they're in DD. she plays like a bard and refuses to fight she just shows up, she rolls initiative, and she's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing anything. Meanwhile, the other people in the party, they fight and stuff, and they expect this now. And she basically plays like a princess bard. They had to go through a sewer, so they had to carry her and all that stuff. <laughs> and then when the party goes down, inevitably, sometimes in cases, because, you know, it's like a level three adventure for three characters or something like that. So I built it accordingly, and someone gets like crit hit and drops. And Cat is barred, just like sighs, and then murders everybody. She has the highest body count out of everybody. She just attacks people with her instruments, her musical instruments. That'd be even more impressive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She picks up a war drum, or like a horn, or a lute, and just, yeah. I admire how different it is that she refuses to do combat unless absolutely necessary, but only because she thinks it's like beneath her. You do your thing, you knock them out, you fight them. If you fail, I'll clean up. She's really committed to the character, yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's refreshing. Her characters are always throwing me off. She had a fighter that uh, also refused to fight. Absolutely could fight. It had the stats, had the build, everything. But she would just leverage gold. She would just be like, Okay, are there other adventurers in the town? Like literally anybody. And my worlds are always rich with like rival NPCs, parties, that kind of stuff. So she'll be like, yeah, sure. She goes out, she goes to job post, finds a job for like 200 gold. Yeah, we'll clean out the mines. She goes and then finds another adventuring party. And since all of her stats are in like charisma, she just goes, yeah, you do this job for us. And then we'll pay you 150. And she's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go back to the bar. And I'm just like, I guess I have to resolve this with the NPCs. Go to bed? <laughs> and then they come back and like the NPCs, they report on how they did. She just pockets the 50 gold and says like, okay, what other jobs you got? <laughs> <laughs> I have to allow it. It's brilliant. This is fun. I like it. It's different. The broker. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And then she ends up just like buying parts of town with all the money that she's getting. It's like, please don't tell me you're trying to buy the docks. We're playing D&D. &D, she's playing Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Why not flip the script? I mean, if you know what to expect. Oh, man, that's incredible. 
like you said, you got to respect the players with the off the wall ideas. Yeah. Speaking of players, if you were to build the ideal TTRPG or D and D player, what stuff would you mix in? We're like building the Powerpuff Girls here, but instead of sugar and spice and everything nice, we're building the ideal TTRPG player. If we're looking for one individual person who might fit in with any other group, uh-huh. not necessarily a person who could run like a whole campaign based on themselves, you definitely want the team player support type person. Someone who knows when to take the spotlight, but also shift it to others. I guess the term would be selfless, but bold enough to control it without being too assertive in a way to throw people off. I guess it's like a social maturity, we'll call it, I guess. I guess another ingredient is knowing the rules enough, but not feeling restrained by it so that it hinders their creativity. I had a monk who had wholeness of body, and he's like, we have an NPC with a blood disease. What if we just turned me into a dialysis machine? It's like, okay, let's do that. Whoa, yeah. I feel like a lot of players might not think outside the box of being like, oh, no, I can solve this quest without going to this dungeon. Okay, let's try it. There's some more, I guess, boldness in that. Yeah, that's that's how some of my, my favorite memories come about from Dungeons & Dragons. And finally, a good sense of humor. And, you know, not forcing it. And with that comes the timing. If you get all that stuff together, you're going to be welcome at any table. Yeah, I think those are all three spot on. Excellent. And now, a word from How Not to DM's sponsors. Adventure Dice. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll recall Andrea and Blair being guests on my first season. In addition to dice and other awesome TTRPG accessories they have available on their site, right now they're accepting pre-orders and orders for their advent calendars for the holiday season. No matter what holiday you celebrate, they have an advent calendar for it. They have ones of different sizes for different numbers of days for different budgets. So go check that out and find the perfect gift for the tabletop gamer in your life for the holiday season. If you use the code HN, the number two, DM on checkout, that's HN2DM, five characters, you can get 10% off your order and you can help support the show because I get a little percentage of your purchases as well. So go check that out. Make your orders for the holiday season through Adventure Dice, that's adventuredice.ca, and help support How Not to DM while you're at it. And finally, podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. Are you a podcast or video content creator who wishes you spent more time creating the content you love and less time doing the boring editing that bogs you down? Check out podcasteditors.online or videoeditors.online to see all of their awesome rates and offerings for editing content. Buy a few hours of editing a la carte or buy their bulk plans if you have more content that you need created. Check out the links in the episode notes for more information about both podcasteditors.online and videoeditors.online. And now let's get back to the second half of the show, starting off with Quickfire Chaos. This week on Quickfire Chaos, Matt and I are going to roll on some random D100 tables and create a scenario to roleplay. Let's start rolling here. So, do you want to do a fetch quest or a city quest? City quest. 
Love it. I love the city quests. The first table we're going to roll on is voice descriptions. 54. Repeats under their breath the last word or phrase they say. All right. How about the job that your NPC performs that kind of gives you an idea about how to play them here? 85. Alchemist. Classic. Nice. All right. Personality trait for your NPC, kind of how they act. 71. Obsessive, an unhealthy and compulsive preoccupation with something or someone. I'll let you fill in the blank there. You get to decide. <laughs> Lastly, the quest that they're looking for someone to complete for them. 16. You need some ingredients. You're looking for people to head into the sewers of the city that you live in because you need a specific organ that belongs to a creature that's living in the sewers somewhere. I'll be a cleric of... Oh, let's do a cleric of Umberly, the goddess of the sea. So I've got like a war hammer, but it kind of looks like a trident kind of thing. And maybe like kelp braided into my hair or something like that. I'll be a dwarf who's a cleric here. What's your character's name? I will be Gerdis. Cool. Gerdis, you find yourself towards the beach and the east side of the river bend. And... The alchemist's job is open. The rain around you doesn't seem to be too heavy, but on this like slick night, finding a place that's still open is a bit of a boon. You can smell the salts, specifically very heavy from this place. There's other chemicals, your senses are picking it up, but it seems there's a lot of salt work going on here. The door is open, and the windows are lit, which is pretty common, but you don't see a lot of other activity among the streets. I will go um, peek my head in and gently knock on the door. Even though it's open, I just want to be polite and let them know that I'm showing up. So I'll kind of poke my head in and, and knock slightly. As you approach, you hear like the sound of like a small hammer, like a small tool. At the sound of your knocking, it sounds like they're knocking kind of like ceases to make sure that they're also hearing your sound as well. And you see the grizzled head of like a gnome. Some of his hair is a little matted. Some of it is a little singed. He just kind of looks up. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what do you want? What do you need? We're open. Yes. Hello. Uh, I am Gertis, a uh, servant of Umberly. Uh, I heard that you had healing potions. Um, I don't have a lot of gold on me at this time, but I'd be happy to do something in exchange for you. I'm quite handy. Uh, I I also can can win a fight or two. Um, but yeah, I, I could use some healing potions to take with my party. I, I just wonder if we could make some kind of trade. No, sure, sure. He looks at you, looks you up and down. He stretches his neck just quite a bit to try to get a full take. He says, actually, you've come at a, you, you've come at a decent time. Decent time. And uh, if, you, uh, if you feel you can help us out... Me and my partner here are in need of a little um, specific local ingredients. If you think you can help us with those, we will be happy to supply you with some healing potions. potions. Yes. Uh, oh, well, uh, yes, and uh, gathering ingredients is something I'm sure I could help you with. I've done a little bit of gathering incense for the, the temple where I grew up. I, I'm sure it's no trouble at all. What, what sort of ingredient are you looking for? Oh, uh, it's, uh, it, it shouldn't be any problem at all. If you head down to the uh, 
the the bend of the river, the the the, well, well, the mouth of the river, you'll find uh, some uh, so, some access tunnels. You can go through there. Um, you, you're gonna find he's like maybe uh, he's lifting his hand to measure height, and it keeps going up. <laughs> These worms, they got these little, like, suction guys. Just, yeah, kill, like, two of those. And we just need some of the juices that fall out of them. They're called carrion crawlers. Shouldn't be a problem. Not a problem at all. And then you go in there, and um, I wouldn't do it alone. But if you do it alone, um, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. But, you know, you'd kill two, bring them back, and, uh, yes, healing potions. Uh... Do you have containers that I might take with me to gather the, the juices? I don't. I don't have. She's kind of like patting herself. Like I don't have oh, anything yes. to store that <laughs> liquid. Miyakum just kind of like looks around. For some reason, he looks up and then looks down behind the counter and peels off his gloves, puts those on the counter first, and then heaves up what essentially looks like a gasoline tank. But it's like it's got like a cork stopper. It's not exactly a gourd, but it looks to be some kind of gourd. I guess <laughs> he's just gonna drop it down and says, "Yes, uh, you won't have to fill this whole thing." But uh, I, I, maybe about he puts his hand to measure it, and the hand just keeps going up. And yeah. uh, it's like hey, he stops at about two thirds, and uh, says, "Yeah, so uh, two of these." But hey, if you know if you can get more. Uh, I may have something else I can give you. Something else I can give you. All right. Uh, I, I do have friends that I can bring along on this, uh, this small quest. I, I, I think that, like you said, it would be best to do that. Um, do they, do they come out at specifically at night or is this No, they're underground. They're underground. So anytime. always night and day don't matter to the creatures who live in tunnels, but, uh, you will want these gloves. And he just pushes them towards you. Don't, don't, don't handle them without the gloves. He will, uh, you, you use the gloves. Use the gloves. I will use the gloves. She like picks them up and kind of examines them. They're a little small. <laughs> She's getting a little more worried after each of the things he tells them. A- anything else I should know before I go? Um, don't, uh, don't, don't get it in your eyes. Okay. Don't get it in your eyes. Um, don't get it in the eyes. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, 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 you might find them probably around, uh, any kind of corpses, often animals, that sort of thing. Sometimes, uh, uh, weird birds or frogs, that sort of thing. They eat those kind of things. Or, uh, you know, people who go in there to try to kill them and fail. They'll be in there, too. Have, have you sent others before me who've not returned? Just uh, not in a while. Not in a while. It's been. I we've had enough of the. We've been out for a little bit. So this is great. Well, this is perfect. This is yes. uh, serendipitous. Yes. Uh, carrion crawlers. Uh, yes. She's kind of like absentmindedly is like pocketing the gloves and opening up her bag to put in the big jug. Starts twirling her hair a little bit. Like you can tell she's worried. Uh, okay. I will go find my friends. We'll see what we can do. I will be back sometime in the next day or so hopefully uh if not could you do me a favor and and uh send word to the uh local uh plow and uh axe the the tavern just down the road that's where the rest of my friends are staying just let them know where we have gone oh sure gurgis at the pna i got you 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I sure hope these healing potions are worth it. Uh, farewell, oh, yes. sir. I, I did not ask your name. Uh, apologies. Oh, I'm Turk. Yes. Turk, thank you. Turk, uh, I will see you quite soon, I hope. Great job. Great job. I think you nailed it. Yeah, I love it because it's an excuse for me to get to play a little bit with a lot of people that I really like, you know, like force them oh, to play smart. D&D with that's me. Good. Yeah. yeah, I like that. But I also think it shows off everyone's skills really well, too. Cool. All right, let's transition a little bit into your work in the TTRPG space. So these will probably be a little bit out of order as to the time where you started doing them, but we can still I know I'm all them. over the place anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me. Because so, <laughs> chances like are I, I was doing them all at the same time anyway. So <laughs> Yeah, you do have a lot of irons in the fires, they say. Okay, first off, I first ran into you probably April of 2021. I believe I saw you giving people marketing tips. I saw that you had a clothing store where you were using your own designs and selling t-shirts and stuff like that. So what did you start with in the TTRPG space and how did you kind of decide you wanted to start creating stuff here? I guess where I sort of began was, since I have the marketing background, I know what it takes to like wade into and help out or add to a community. And 2021 for TTRPG, it was a big deal due to the pandemic locking people in their houses. And everyone was just kind of like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to work on something that I care about. So there were a lot of people at the time. And that's how many of the accounts and the people who came into the space at the time are large accounts now. They stuck it out. They added to the space, helped a lot of people. And that's how many grew very quickly and became staples. Which isn't to say that you can't do it now, because I'm seeing people jump to 5K so fast. It's amazing. So when I showed up, I just wanted to help people. I have a lot of experience as a DM and as a small business owner and as a marketer. And I'm seeing people just push product and it hurt to see them do it so wrong. And it still happens. I still see it. Like I see improper communications through marketing and stuff like that. Like literally before I jumped on this, someone just spammed my DMs of, hey, please read my book. You don't even follow me. What is this? I didn't come planning to make d shirts. Like I had the store and it's just like, I'm going to do it. What were you selling before? What kind of stuff? Just your own designs? A lot of it was just meme stuff. We started with pop culture references But there's only so much you're allowed to do before you start tampering with IP. So memes work much better. None of the stuff sold the pop culture stuff because it was so generalized. It didn't even make sense anymore. I would just make shirts that were like, oh, well, some anime person was wearing this in their downtime. And now I wear it. It doesn't exist anywhere. So like, if you watch My Hero Academia at all, Bakugo Skull shirt, I have it. No one else cares. I love that. <laughs> I guess it's like that. But really, like the store came about because 2020 hours filled with rage. So I'm just making memes and our flags were and still are our number one bestseller. So we have that gator. We were the first one to make it. I invented that flag. Just to explain it to people, it's a, an alligator whose eyes are burning. Yeah. <laughs> 
and you put it on whatever background you want, right? You've got the trans flag, you've got the inclusive LGBTQ plus flag, you've got a bunch yep. of versions, right? So yep. anyway, yeah, yeah, incredible. Those sell a ton because people are angry and it's like I was. So when I found the TTRPG space, I went to it hoping to find something that would chill me out, really. So going into TTRPG and embracing a hobby that I love was therapeutic. Just like, yeah, I got to make these. And that was me letting go of some of that rage and anger. And uh, letting other people display it proudly. <laughs> it's still super personal when I see people pick up designs and say that they love them. Because uh-huh. like, I made them with a certain like mindset. So a lot of them mean something to me. And when people wear certain ones, I feel like I connect with them in a certain way. And so when people pick up like the ones that are rare, like some people don't pick them up that often. It's like, ah, we're cool. You get it. You understand this joke. We're cool. I don't tell them that. But yeah. in my head, I'm like, you're awesome. So <laughs> Nice. You've also tried your hand at game design. You've made a couple of one shots. You've made some DM slash GM tools for world building most recently. Any other things that I'm missing there? And then also, what about publishing have you enjoyed most? If people take my advice, it is special to me. I like knowing that I can help people enjoy the game. Because, I mean, D&D, TTRPGs in general are an escape. And if you can improve the quality of the time you're spending doing it, I think it's important. So I keep telling people, escape well. If I can help people elevate their games at all, or if I can make things go by quicker. So like if you use any of my tools from like RPGforfree.com or DungeonClish.com, then cool. Fantastic. I love it. I hope I'm enriching your game somehow. So it's a little personal mission thing. That's why it's all free. Yeah. Those tools you're referencing, you've actually coded some tools on your website that help people. The generators. Yeah, the one that you've got on your website here is a generator for damage description. So instead of just like saying, oh, yes. you hit, like you've built it so that it can randomly give you words to say to keep things interesting. So most of the, the uh, generators that I see everywhere are number based or yep. it's like, hey, I made a list of all the weapons that exist. They cool formula stuff. It exists. I'm happy it does. People need it. I need it. I think it's fantastic. So I wanted something different, something that other people might not be able to do, something that I've struggled with. Sometimes, you know, you need to find a perfect description on the spot, and it's difficult to find the words. So with this, it's like, well, writing something I'm good at, and I'm pretty good at coding. So it took weeks, but I made this thing that actually works, and I'm super proud of it, and I'm afraid to use it. (laughs) I think it's awesome. I'm afraid if I use it, I feel like... I'll rely on it too much. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. What language did you code it in? The generator that hosts it has its own language. Oh, so you had to like teach yourself whatever language it had. Nice. Yeah, I had to learn a whole new thing, which is fine. Because I do the same thing for, um, if you play a private game with me, you'll run through something similar. I have a little background generator that I make. Yeah. Then it generates backgrounds that are specific to the game you want to run kind of thing? Nice. Yeah, you got to do kind of figure out how to make these four random backgrounds that people have given you like make sense. I like that. Yeah, it's got like 64 different endings. So it's like, yeah, all right, you can be from anywhere, figure it out. And it gives you these like random vague questions. Then they get super specific and granular. 
And then in the end, you find out where you're from, what you've done, what kind of kid you were, all this kind of stuff. It's fantastic. I love it. That's cool. One day I'll release it, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I could see that definitely being useful, though. Because like I said, oftentimes you've got four different people or however many players you've got coming in with so many different ideas. It'd be nice to kind of like narrow it a little bit for them mm-hmm. while still giving them choice, right? I know that like when you buy like the starter set, it comes with four or five character sheets that have like a pre-gen background. Like you are so-and-so's cousin or you're looking for this thing and it just like ties yeah. directly in with the story. So yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. You also create lo-fi music. Sometimes with a nerdy twist, sometimes not. So why is music important to you? And then what are some of your favorite tracks and or musical projects? I tackled music because I am not at all musically inclined. I have no rhythm. And people say I can sing. I don't believe them. I'm at that point where it's just like, I want to try everything in the scope of what I would consider myself an artist. And I've always wanted to do music. Yeah. And I just keep buying all the music packs and sound systems i got this keyboard that will help you make chords and stuff like that it's like one button is a chord i can work with that so i just kind of push buttons until i don't hate it and i actually kind of fell in love with the process i still don't know what i'm doing but it sounds good i got a couple friends who kind of mentor me through it and my wife's a musician so it's really i just do it until she stops cringing (laughs) i feel like this works and then I, i send it over to her and she's like yeah, not bad. I'm like, okay, good, good, cool. All right. That's all. <laughs> My partner's also musically inclined and I am not. So bravo for being brave to present something like that to someone who's good yeah. at it. <laughs> I can't read music. I can't do any of that. She sits there, she just hangs out and plays violin and the cat hates it. So I gotta like, I gotta wrangle the cat and I'm doing my music stuff at the same time. It's just, all right, cool. Huh. Cats hate violins or just your cat? There's only one song she seems to like. I don't know the name of the song, but my wife, she'll do like the violin practice stuff. And some of those sound discordant notes because they stretch your fingers and you get better at hitting like double strings or playing different notes at the same time. I don't know how it works, but the cat hates that part. And so she will come over to me and be like, make it stop or I'll kill you. And it's like... (laughs) So the cat just keeps jumping like into my lap, headbutting me and stuff. I look over at my wife, we think she's had enough, and then she'll play her favorite song, and the cat just freaks out because it's like, oh, you're doing this song. This is my jam. I don't understand how she has like a favorite song or how she's able to tell the difference of why she likes this one specific tune, but when she hears it, she's the happiest I've ever seen her ever. Mysteries. Animals are full of them. Yeah, this cat's too smart. So <laughs> <laughs> Your latest and greatest project you're working on is called Etherlog. Tell us what your role is in the project itself and then kind of how it started and how it is going right now. First of all, it's going fantastic. Etherlog is awesome. It came out at this point three weeks ago. We dropped three episodes on the start and one last week, one today. And yeah, I don't really know. I don't, this is my first podcast, so I'm excited for it. Basically, Sam and I were just kind of hanging out. And he's like, hey, you want to start a game? <laughs> As uh, TTRPG players tend to do, yeah. Me and Sam Comerford, we were just talking. It's like, yeah, what if we started a game? It's like, well, who do you want in it? And we just kind of said the same, like, four names at the same time. That's our cast. So we have Mark from Cast Eye, Lex, who we mentioned before, Christian Color, 
and oh, it's so cool. And yourself, right? As cast Yeah, members. yeah, no, I'm yeah. in it somewhere, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't plan it out by skill or anything like that. And then it wasn't until like we got everyone kind of talking. Uh, did we figure out like our skill set sort of lined up as like an A team? It's like, yeah, okay, two of us do marketing, two of us do sound, and one of us is basically an influencer. This will work. It's been super fun. And we talk about the behind the scenes stuff in the mailing list. So if you're part of the Etherlog mailing list, every Tuesday, you get to hear what we're working on. You get the exclusive stuff. Here's some new art. It's fun. It's kind of like where we get to talk to people. Yeah, Lex and I get to run that. It's 5e in this massive world that Sam basically asked all of us to create at the same time. Everyone's kind of like, okay, put three random things on the table for each of you, and then we're going to include all of it, and then we're going to find a way to connect it. And then make your backstories, and uh, they don't have to be related to anything, and then we'll find a way to make it fit. Awesome. So our world is like Arcane from Riot meets Studio Ghibli stuff, and it's magical and horrifying at the same time. Yeah. It's like high fantasy with dystopian sci-fi. Why not? You know, why not yeah. combine all the things you like? When you started it, did you have a specific goal in mind? And do you have kind of like an endpoint that you're all shooting for? Are you trying to finish season one? You know, do you have multiple seasons planned? Do you have any idea about how many episodes you want to release? That kind of stuff. We do know that this season, this story, specifically named the key to Vidra. This is Sam's arc. Sam's running this one as the Ethernaut. That's what we call the GM. The Etherlog itself is going to be the brand. And as we expand it and play other different games, it's still going to be the Etherlog. But whoever runs it gets to say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm Majoro, and I'm the Etherlog. And it's just fun. I've run a couple games, and I got to say it, and that's neat. It will eventually expand into other things. I think Lex wants to run some of the smaller TTRPG, and I'm excited for that. I think Sam probably wants to run another Fate game. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, it's, we're going to do a lot with it. I'm excited about it. Again, for our goals, we have no real expectations. So if it works, cool. If it doesn't, we had fun. Yeah, that's the important part, honestly. Unless you're already a large business hoping to make more money, when you're making stuff, just do it because you like it, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any of my success in TTRPG at all comes with the expectation of zero. So everything that happens that is good is gravy. It's just me practicing and failing. And if something works, I'm happy. That's it. That's how I live my life. Good way to live it. Any other projects you want to chat about? I know that was kind of the big one, right? I just announced today the new Lo-Fi album, which comes out November 11th. I have another book I'm writing, which I would like to come out next week, but we'll see. I'm in a vampire game, which I don't know if I need to plug, but I'm really for the ether block. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll make sure to grab all the links from everything from you. To wrap things up here, what are maybe one or two of your favorite pieces of advice you've gotten or that you formulated yourself about running games that you would want to give to people out there? My advice when you're trying to play these games one, try to play the game that you always wanted to make. So 
if there's something you wanted to experience, if there's something that your players always wanted to go through, hey, I want to fight a dragon, hey, I want to be a dragon, cool, let's try it out, let's see if we can make it happen. Because that leads into the second part of we're trying to make memories. So it's one thing to just, hey, we rolled dice today, cool. You might not say that later to another person, oh, I played D&D the other day, how'd it go? Eh, we played. As opposed to, holy smokes, let me tell you the backstory so we can get into it. Everyone has one of those stories. And the more of those you can make and collect is really the breadth of your D&D experience, of your TTRPG experience. So when you're playing, when you're making these games, just really try to have fun with it. I'm not saying you have to go and try to steal the show or force anything, but Rule of Cool can lead you there, trying new things and trust and communication. So when you got a squad that you feel really good about, that you know you can test the limits with, just like I have with the Etherlog, we're all over the place. We're just going to yes and everything. Thanks so much for coming on, Matt. It's been a ton of fun. It's been a long time coming. I feel like you and I have been at least internet friends, uh, if not more, for uh, a while now. And so it's been super fun to get to know you a little bit more and chat more about all the stuff you've been working on. But please let the people know where they can find you, what interesting projects you've got going on right now, anything else you want to plug here. If you've been listening to this, I'm Dungeon Glitch. Matt on Twitter, easily the best place to find me. I own Jump Firefly. We make nerdy t-shirts and all of our profits have gone to charities and it's awesome. It's something we do for fun and it's really important to me and Kata and we love it and it makes people happy. So that's makes me happy. I make music. I have an album coming out November 11th. I actually just announced it today. It's more of a darker lo-fi, which is really cool. If you listen to the first album, You Are Enough, it's definitely a lot more atmospheric. There's some vocals to it. It's a little more professional sounding. I got some good help with it. The new album is called The Bardic College Dropout. So I'm super excited about it. My Kanye reference, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I got my uh, the DMs Guild books. I'm like 30 shy of platinum metal status. So if you haven't picked it up, do me a favor. It's only $3. Go grab it. And if you can leave me a review, even better. Because really what it does is it's quick ways to enhance the depth in your story building in your world. I take a lot of pride in it. I think it's really fun. So it's 101 story questions for world building. And there's a volume two, which has extra stuff as well. So the volume one is the one that's 30 away from platinum right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's real close, real close. The other one, I think hit Electrum today or is about to. I didn't do too much for marketing that one. I just kind of put it out there and I'm like, oh, I want to make another one. So <laughs> otherwise I am on the Etherlog podcast. New episodes every Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Check out etherlog.com. It's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So if you need to find a specific spot, that's etherlog, A-E. I can't spell it. I'm dyslexic. I usually have Lex do this part. <laughs> A-E-T-H-E-R-L-O-G-U-E. Etherlog. Thank you. Slash listen. That'll get you there. Otherwise, it's I'm all over the place. Just hit me up. I got something new almost every day. I talk about marketing with anyone who wants to listen. And I love doing all of this. It keeps me sane and hanging out with cool people like you. So it's been a blast. I've been wanting to get on here since you started. 
like I schedule just never matched out. And it's like, oh, it's going to be so fun whenever it happens. I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got to make it work. Like I said, it has been a long time coming. And both of our schedules, to be fair, quite busy. So it's not like you're the problem here. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, Matt. Like I said, been a ton of fun to get to know you that much more here. And really excited for everybody to hear the advice you had. You had a couple of things I hadn't heard before, right? And that's always kind of the goal is new advice that hasn't been set on the show yet. So really loved all that you had to share with us. And you have a lot of stuff you've created. I can't keep up with it. I'm not sure how you do, but everybody go check it out. The links will be in the episode notes and you can find all of it on his Twitter page as well. He's got his website set up there too. So everything easy to find. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks so much. Have a great rest of your night and we'll chat soon. Thank you for listening to How Not to DM. Now it's time for a sneak peek into next week's guest, Ron Ogden of The Dungeon Run. So when I got into college, I had some friends who were like, hey, we, we want to play D&D. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to play D&D. I've got, the AD, I got some AD&D books. Let's play. Well, nobody wanted to be the DM. So <laughs> <laughs> I was the one with the books, and therefore I became the DM. And it did not go that well to start off. Honestly, it did not go all that well uh, as the DM. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I was running it more like, <laughs> more like I was a god uh, and could do what I want. And that's not fun to play with, right? Like that, I should have known that having read so much about the gods that when you treat people that way, they just don't like that. <laughs> so uh, that's, you know, pretty much my DD backstory. To hear more about Ron's experience running games, the Dungeon Run's process to get ready for Season 2, and more, tune in next week. Remember to check out my Patreon if you haven't already for even more sneak peeks. Here's a friendly reminder to rate and review the show and share it with your friends and family who play TTRPGs as well. New reviews will be read out at the end of the episode as a thank you. Thank you to the team at T4C Studios, The Dragon, for help editing and producing this episode. As a reminder, if you are a content creator, either podcast or video, check out videoeditors.online or podcasteditors.online, as it's the same team who helps produce this show as runs those websites. Another quick reminder, if you could please to check out the episode links to enter your email into that Fireball Forge landing page so that I can keep you in touch about when I release the new game, Two Hot One Shot on Kickstarter. That'd be great. Thank you. My intro and outro music is by Daniel Zombo. The Quickfire Chaos music is by Xcat, and the Quickfire Chaos mood music that plays underneath while we're roleplaying is by Arcane Anthems. Check out the episode notes for more of their great work. And, as always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.